This week we're going to read in the synagogue two parshas, the last two parshas of the book of Numbers, Matot and Masay, and then we'll complete the book of Numbers. In the par- in parshas Masay speaks about the inheritance, the, land, the inheritance of the land of Israel, conquering the land of Israel, and what are the sizes of the land of Israel, and so on. Then we really started to become real about entering the, the, the Holy Land. Well, that's the word, the Holy Land. When is the Holy Land the Holy Land, and when it's not? The sanctity of the land of Israel, that's the question. Obviously, it's the Holy Land because God gave it to the Jewish people. But there are mitzvahs that we, we are obligated to serve, to treat the way we treat the land in Israel. What mitzvahs are att- attached, connected to the land, for example? The Shemitah year. The sabbatical, Rat Every six years, the seventh year, you have to, you're not allowed to walk the land of Israel. To walk the land in Israel. A, a Jewish um, farmer cannot walk the land. There is six years you walk the land, and the seventh year is sabbatical. You have to rest the land, not to do anything with it. For example, you're not allowed to plow the land. It's a very, it's a very hard mitzvah. And there is many more mitzvahs who are dependent on the, on the agricultural mitzvahs are dependent on the land of Israel to give tithe from the fruit and so on. It's only the, in the land of Israel. Outside of Israel, we're not obligated with that. Is it in reality happening? Uh, Absolutely. But is it applies only to people religious who are actually kind of just trying to do what they're supposed to do? Or if you declare yourself, hey, I, that's not for me. I mean, is it, how it's in reality? I'm just curious. Okay. It's, we'll do it in very short, but it's a whole long thing. Um, the, today, more people want to do it the, the right way. They just let, leave the land desolated. They don't, they don't touch it. For the whole year, they don't walk the land. It's a very hard mitzvah because, number one, let's say you're selling um, oranges to, Jaffa oranges to Europe. You have customers in Europe. This year, I'm not selling, I'm finished. The, Europe, the, the customers are not going to wait for you a year, they're going to somewhere else. You have, a, you, have a, you have a crew of employees who work for you. A whole year you don't give them a job, they go somewhere else. You have, a, I mean, machinery that you pay, you pay the bank for this. It's on lease, on, on the lease. You have to continue to pay the lease. You cannot not pay the whole, oh, it's Schmitter. I'm not paying the lease. It doesn't work like this. In addition, no, in, no, no income. It's a very, very hard mitzvah, but still many Jews are doing it. Now, there is a way around, as usual. There is a way to go around it. If you sell the land in Israel to a non-Jew, a non-Jew is allowed to walk the land. Then they give it to a non-Jew, and, and, and then, then you're allowed, it's not your land that you are, they are allowed to walk the land. That's the other way to go around it. Same thing, same process we use for the self. Like ah, the similar, yeah, yeah. a similar yeah. idea. Then there is a third option, then you give it to the bathing. That's a little more complicated. Basically, let's say you have oranges growing on your trees. Officially, I mean, if you do the full mitzvah, you open the gates, and the land is ownerless. It belongs to everyone. That every person can come and take oranges for the day. You cannot take it, for, take it and sell it. You're not allowed. I'm not allowed to sell it. I'm the owner not allowed to sell it because that's not mine. You're not the owner for sure you're not allowed to sell it. We are on the land. The land it belongs to God, not to anyone of us. 
then but if you will leave the the land open, the the orchard open, what's going to happen? Every all the all the uh, 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 all the banditen will come, right? And will destroy and will destroy everything. Everything. Then you give it to the bedin. The bedin is called, so to speak, the 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 city hall, the Jewish city hall, who is in charge to make sure. You say you come to the bedin, you give him the key. He says, you you protect the land, and they hire workers to to collect the oranges from the tree, to harvest the oranges, and to sell it and to protect the place, to sell it for the amount what cost what cost the expenses. They don't make any money, but they have expenses. Let's say they need to hire 10 uh, workers, and they need a truck, and they, whatever they need. And that's, they sell it, they divide how much they need. They need to collect, and that's, what, that's how it costs every, every pound, every kilo of uh, oranges. This is three options. You understand? I understand, but what I'm asking, it's in reality, is someone who is not doing nothing oh, oh, just... Oh, 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 and here is the secret. <laughs> it's the market, my friend. If you do nothing, nobody will buy your, your uh, oranges. You can, you can go send them, sell them in Lebanon. Most of the, mar- most of the market in Israel is kosher. If one way or the other kosher, on one level or the other. If you don't have any of the three levels, nobody will buy from you. And the market is talking. That's simple as that. That's why most of the people have to keep kosher, have to keep the laws of uh, agriculture. And some people don't accept the idea of selling the land. Other people don't accept this idea. And then you can go in the religious stores in Israel, and the neighbor can say, this is from the Beidin. It's called Otzer Beidin. This is sold by the, to mm. the Goy. This is really observed. I mean, mm. And uh, what to do if you, if, you don't have, if you don't sell the land and you don't work the land, where you get your, your produce? From the occupied territories, from the Arabs, from the Palestinians, from the terrorists. Mm. Then you're basically sponsoring the terrorists. You understand what the problem is? Mm. Living in Israel is always complicated. So it's the law for the land, or is it for the relationship of the people to the land, or is it for the land? What means the It's for the Jewish people to remember that the land belongs to God. Okay, so it's not really... It's also good for the land to rest over a year. I know, but if you still want any of those other alternatives, the land is really not resting. What do you mean? You're right. That's a problem. But ultimately, it's about, if you do it by Jewish law, it's kosher. Then the selling the land, there is a different of opinion. Some people say it's the right thing to do. Some people say it's, it's not the right thing to do. But it's... But it's driven by money. No, why, why they observe it? No, the observing it is driven by... Yeah, right. they sell the land. It's also because many people cannot afford it. They, right. cannot, they, will, not have, they will not be able to survive driven by it. By life, I guess. Yeah. By life, yeah. yeah. In any case, that's the laws. The question is when we have to observe the Shemitah. And other, many other mitzvahs are connected to the land of Israel. Go ahead. So, so the, the, like the, and Mayor Shireen, who yeah. they don't think Israel should exist, right? Because it's... No, 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 no. Uh, 20 uh, guys, 20 guys in Mayor Shireen so, don't but, exist. But, but, because uh, they make a living from, from, from skimming that. <laughs> well, if you don't, those guys, let's say for example, they probably don't follow any of the laws because Israel really isn't. No, 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 no. The Holy Land is the Holy Land. There's nothing to do with the state of Israel. It's two separate things. There is the Holy Land. The state of Israel is a nice thing, but if the state goes or comes, it doesn't make a difference to these laws. Okay, that's right. As you'll see in a minute, in a few minutes. The sanctity of the land of Israel, the borders of the promised land. God spoke to Moses telling him, command the children of Israel and tell them, when you arrive in the land of Canaan, 
This is the land which shall fall to you as an inheritance, the land of Canaan with its borders. The southernmost side will be from the desert of Tzin along Edom, so the southern border will be from the edge of the Dead Sea to the east. The border then turns south of Mala Arabim, Akrabim. <laughs> passing toward Sin, and its ends will be to the south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it will extend to Khatar Adar and continue toward Atmona. Now you know, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. The first Aliyah. Go ahead, continue. Areas of Israel that were settled by the Jews who came from Egypt became sanctified. When they were exiled, the sanctity was void. The first sanctification, because it was attained via conquest, was only temporary. Well, Maimonides is throwing a bomb here. He says, they entered the land, who conquered the land of Israel? Joshua, right? With miracles and... As, as long as they were in the land of Israel, it was a holy land, and they had to observe the sabbatical and the many other mitzvahs. The moment they were exiled, when they were exiled, and now we are mourning the three weeks from the 17th of Tammuz until Tishabov, the time of the destruction of the first temple. The first temple was, was the, uh, destroyed by the Chaldean, by the Babylonians. They came and destroyed the temple and exiled the Jews. The moment the, the temple was, was, it was destroyed and, and the Jews were exiled, the Holy Land is, they were not obligated to observe the laws of sabbatical. For the 70 years, until the second temple came, until the Jews came back and built the second temple, the land was not obligated to observe. The, you're not a, a, a farmer who lived in Israel. There were a few people who lived, stayed in Israel. You're not obligated to observe the mitzvahs because you were, you were exempt. It's over. The holiness anticipate, disappeared. That's what my manager says. The second aliyah. Go ahead. The second aliyah. When the exiles returned and resettled part of the land, they sanctified it a second time, viewing it with an eternal sanctity. Oh, second time. When was the second time? Who came up? Who came to Israel at the second time? Who was the leader? Daniel. Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah, right? Ezra came to Israel. He came back with 42,000 Jews from Babylon. Who came back from Babylon? Anybody who did not have a swimming pool in his backyard. <laughs> Those who had a swimming pool stayed in Babylon. <laughs> Those who didn't make it in Babylon, you know, the little schleppers and, us, <laughs> and a few other uh, hearted Jews who loved Israel, came back to Israel. They came back to Israel, then Israel, now they, and they, they built the temple. Eventually, it took a whole, it was many years until they built the temple. This holiness that they brought to Israel is forever. And since then, until now, we have to observe the laws of Shemitah. Pronounce it forever. Forever. They pronounce it, the second time they pronounce it forever. They didn't pronounce anything. Their coming to Israel made it forever. That's the strange thing, huh? Why? Oh, why? Why? <laughs> so that's a question. The first time when they were exiled, that was against their will. I know. So that still... Like like sanctified it. That because they left. But the second time, it's yeah, the same thing. And the same yeah. time, yeah, the second thing, they also were exiled. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. There were yeah. four exiles. Yeah, there were four, even five, a million exiles. They didn't kill for it. They just came in. But so why was that forever if they were exiled? Then, then why why is this forever? Yeah. <coughs> why is the first one not forever and the second one is forever? That's the question. It has nothing to do with the state of Israel. You understand? Right. Okay. Now that you know. Okay, continue. On page, on page four. Source, Source number three. three. Maimonides. 
uh, a different kind of settlement. In a different place, Maimonides, in a different book, in his books, in his, he has many, many chapters, many books, he explains this thing, he, he, he gets into details why the first, the first conquering of the land did not sanctify the land, and the second conquering, the second coming, sanctified the land. A different kind of settlement. Why was the first conquest not eternally binding with regards to Shemitah and tithes? The initial obligation to observe these mitzvot was only due to the conquest of the Jewish people. When the land was seized from them, that conquest was annulled, and the Torah obligation to keep these mitzvot was void because it was no longer the land of Israel. When Ezra, re Ezra returned to Israel and sanctified the land, it wasn't through conquest, but through asserting their ownership of the land by settling it, Chazaka. Thus, any place that was settled by the returnees from Babylon and sanctified by Ezra retains its sanctity today. Even if it is later seized from Jewish control, it remains obligated in the mitzvot of Shemitah and tithes. No? Understand better? No. He no. says that the first time... <laughs> not really. Not really. <laughs> uh, <Shukaya. laughs> I, I, I get it. Oh, explain. <laughs> when you conquer the land, it's like you, you, it's, you forcefully force yourself on the land. And so when somebody forcefully took you out of the land, that's, it's not yours to begin with, kind of, you know. Yeah. And, and the second time around, it's, it's not by force, right? So it's... Uh, uh, You're going in the right direction. But there, but there were two But that's strange, it's strange, it's strange. I think it's, it's very different. It's, I get a little bit of... First time they went in, they never had ownership. They never had possession. Second time, they already previously had ownership. Oh, you say because they previously had ownership. What he says is more, more the direction we go, but it's a very, it's, it's, it's strange. Questions on Maimonides. Um, you want to continue? The difference, the rabbit, questions on Maimonides. Maimonides' words regarding the first and second sanctifications require explanation. One. Firstly, the question raised by the commentators, why is Chazaka more effective than conquest? Why doesn't losing the land void the Chazaka as well? Also, after the original sanctification through conquest, didn't they settle the land and exercise Chazaka? If so, why should Chazaka that wasn't preceded by conquest be more effective than Chazaka that was preceded by conquest? Basically, it was a different thing too. In both times, they, they, they came into the land Settle the land, live there, on to ownership over the land. Why should the first time not sanctify the land and the second time will sanctify the land? The question <laughs> of the commentators remained unanswered. Two, it is known that Maimonides is very precise, not just with the overall picture he presents, but also with his extra, with his exact wording. Maimonides writes, when Ezra returned to Israel and sanctified the land. It wasn't sanctified through conquest, but through chazak. Why does Maimonides first state the negative, it wasn't sanctified through conquest? Why doesn't he just write briefly, when Ezra returned to Israel, he sanctified it through chazak? Does conquest have a negative effect that requires it to be ruled out here? Obviously, that when Maimonides tried the second time, they didn't conquer the land. Obviously, conquering the land is the problem. That's what, that's what it, it comes out. What is, what is the translation of Chazaka? Chazaka means ownership, doing, using the land. 
Chazak means it's a it's a way. I'm chazak literally it means holding on to it. It's kind of like it means to in, say how I buy from you dolls. How I how I, I, I maintain or how I show how I show yeah, taking possession. That's the right word. How I show ownership when I take the key and I open the door. Okay. Or I fix or I change the lock. I change the lock. I show ownership. There's taking a, possession. There's a lot of America, like let's say your neighbor and you share. Well, here's the border, but you take care of this plot of land for years and years and years. You assume ownership of it. It's kind of yeah, the same thing. It sounds the same thing, yes. I would like to buy something, continue paying for it, paying for it, until you finally pay for it, and that's the day that finally paying for it, that thing. And then at that moment, the bank doesn't own it, nobody else owns it, you own it now. I think that, 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 mm, that's that's exactly what you said. What you said, taking possession. The there was an empty lot, and it wasn't his, but he took care of, like, Probably yeah. thirty yards, and going back like fifty yards, and every time he took care of his yard, like he did that too. So when the people bought the pro- the property, the city or whoever whoever was involved said it's yours. Yeah, they really? said you can buy this, but this part is his because he's been taking care of it mm-hmm. for over twenty years. So yeah, it's a, oh, a that's interesting. Yeah, so. Didn't God tell the Jewish people, go in there and conquer? Didn't God tell the Jewish people, go there and conquer? Yes, that's a question. Mm-hmm. Not only God, God told Abraham, the land of Israel, and then he told them. Not only told them, there were a thousand miracles taking place. We, we're getting there, we're getting there. Um, uh, Mr. Hasen, you want to continue? Number three. Uh, there is an additional, even stronger question. The first sanctification occurred when the Jewish people were in the holiest possible state. He said, the third, the third question is, the first time when they entered the land of Israel, it was continued by Joshua. Yeah? The second degree recipient of the Torah. Moses received the Torah at Sinai and relayed it. Joshua was like, as we said yesterday, Moses was the sun, Joshua was the moon. He was... An extension of Moses. As long as Joshua was alive, it was considered like Moses is alive. It was everything that was throughout the time of Moses. Until Joshua died, the effect of giving of the Torah was still there. Then it couldn't be any higher than that. And what had in the, in top of it continue? Uh, they possessed the holy ark. The holy ark. They came in the ark, right? And what else? A jar of the miraculous manna. Oh, then you know, them. God gave the Jewish people the manna. The first time God told, or it's written at least in the beginning, God told Moses to take a jar of manna, to put it next to the ark, and preserve it. That in the future, when the Jewish people will complain, oh, we're going to make a living, we cannot walk on Shabbos, he will take out the prophet Jeremiah, took out the manna, I think it was Jeremiah, and he, and he told the Jews to see, that's how you... You survived. If you will do what Hashem says, you'll survive. If you will observe Shemitah, you'll survive. God will take care of you. That was the jar of manna. That the first, the first temple, they had the jar of manna. What else did? It shows all the miracles that they had. What else did? The holy oil. Oh. There was a special oil that with this you anoint the kings and the and the and the and the coins, the high priest. And the stick that had miraculously blossomed. Which stick had miraculously blossomed? Aaron Steph, yeah, very good. Okay. They had entered the land of Israel and conquered Jericho, the keyhole to the entire country. In a miraculous fashion, the priests circled the walls of Jericho, carrying the ark, blew the shovel, and the walls came down. Can you imagine? Was huge walls on Jericho. Hmm. They, they, seventh, they made the seven, seven days. Every day they made a circle with the ark, one circle, and they blow the shofar, 
and the, and the um, wall sinked a little bit down. Came the seventh day, they made seven circles, and the, and the wall fell apart, and they, were able, they came in, they conquered the land. They conquered the city, and that was the key for Israel. Is it seven circles kind of related to when the bride goes and waiting seven? It's all seven, yeah, it's all the same idea. Yeah, that's, that's breaking the wall between the husband and the wife. She's breaking the wall, and she's doing circles around them. Yeah. <laughs> what does that signify, kind of? It's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> it's taking possession. Yeah. All right. Uh, by contrast, the second sanctification occurred when they were in a far worse state. They were missing the five special items that were present in the first temple, including the ark and the items stored with it, the jar of mana, the anointing oil, and the sacred blossoms. Yet it's specifically the second sanctification that had an eternal effect. They, they, they came in the first time with huge miracles. Then after Jericho, the Rebbe does mention, was one time was a war in, in, uh, in Israel. Joshua was in the middle of the war. It was, the sun was going down. And Joshua turned to God, to the sun, and says, the sun should not set down. And it was, the sun was shining for another day, a full 24 hours. There were unbelievable miracles. That this is not good enough to make the land a holy land. With God, with prophets, with everything. The second temple, the 42,000 Jews who came, <laughs> krechzing, they made the land a land for a holy land. What's going on here? Source number four. Um, <clears throat> source four. The word of God came through Haggai. Haggai, Haggai and The prophet saying, is now the time for you to sit in roofed houses while this house is in ruins? So God... So said God, consider your ways, ascend the mountain, bring wood, and build a house, and I will accept it, and I will be honored by it, said God. Continue. Why does this verse say, I will accept it and be honored by it? But we read it as... You know what, forget it, just skip it. It's not going to help anything. Skip, go to the next source number five. Okay. Many of the priests and Levites and the heads of the fathers' houses old men who had seen the first temple when its foundation was laid, when they saw this temple with their eyes, they were weeping with a loud voice. Many were shouting with joy and raised voices. You see, when they inaugurated the second temple, there were old people who remembered the first temple. They were crying. Because the temple, the second temple, the beginning was very ma- a very humble beginning. Compared to the first temple, King Solomon built the first temple. It was a huge, beautiful temple. Then they cried, they remembered the glory of the first temple. And now they see the second temple. But it's not only the building was that cried. They cried for other reasons. The young people never saw the first temple. They were excited. They were all enthusiastic and dancing and singing. Okay, continue. What? Seventy. Seventy years. People... People who survived and remember the first temple, sure. Four hundred and ten years. And then the second? Four twenty. Four twenty. Four twenty. Yeah. Nine hundred years of temples. Yeah, it was eight hundred years, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nine hundred and it was it was in Israel before that they were almost four hundred years before before they built it. Before Solomon built the temple, they were already in Israel. And then there was a, in Mishkan, there was in Shiloh. In Shiloh, there were 369 years. Okay. Um, you want to read the Rashi? Rashi, this, this temple. When they saw this building, they cried because they remembered the grand structure of the first temple. Many. 
Those who never saw the first temple rejoiced and raised their voices with elation at being released from exile. Yeah, they were happy. They never saw anything better. They thought that was great news. Oh, he says something more than that. It wasn't just it was more a beautiful building and the other one was not so beautiful. Then, you know, the first temple, they built it with uh, chandeliers and, uh, and uh, stained, what is it called? Stained glass, stained glass windows. windows. And the second temple did not have it. In the first temple, you walked in, you saw miracles. In the second temple, the, the, for example, the Ark of the Covenant was not available in the second temple. The first temple in the Holy of Holies, you walked into the holiest part of the, Jewish, of the Jewish people in the temple, was the Ark with the two tablets. And this, before the destruction of this first temple, maybe a hundred years before the temple, Terius, whatever, it was, a, a, I think, a, for some reason, I think it's close to hundred years. I don't remember exactly. But the, the king who was then at that time alive ordered to take the, temp, the Ark and to hide it in tunnels underneath the temple. The King Solomon built the temple. He knew that one day the temple would be destroyed. And he built it in such a way that there should be tunnels there underneath the temple. And they were hiding the, temp- the Ark in the- of the Covenant in these tunnels. And it's still today, it's there. Nobody- they are still looking for it. Then by the time the second temple came, there was no Ark. And all the other things that were around the Ark, the, uh, the jar of manna and all the other things were not there. Then they would say, if you want to say the, the, the tangible side of God that was in the temple, the miraculous side of God that's in the temple was almost not there. Were a little bit there, but not the way it was in the first temple. That's why they were crying. They were not crying just because of the stained glass windows. They were crying that the presence of God was not so tangible in the second temple like in the first temple. Then the second temple was much less holy than the first temple. No question about it. That the first temple didn't sanctify the land of Israel. The second temple, oh yeah, yeah. Now it's now it's sanctified forever. Why? That's so, is it, so maybe to go what you were saying, like it's not conquest by force with God's assistance. It's commitment on the people's parts. You're almost there. Way. You're almost there. On the continue. The Rebbe, one-sided <coughs> explain. Conquest involves one side overpowering the other, but the losing side doesn't undergo any change. The first sanctification was through conquest against the will of 31 local kings. They weren't prevailed upon to transform themselves for the better and concede to the Jewish people. Rather, the Jews carried the holy ark and blew the shofar, and etc. And this caused the opposing side to disappear like a wax melts before fire. Since the sanctification occurred through the conquest and not through process of restraining and then transforming it, did not endure. And this was eventually reversed. Because the first time was conquering, conquering the land with miracles, but you didn't convince the other side. You forced, you forced yourself on the land. So, read the second paragraph. They find similar patterns. Oh, but you know what, The bottom line is like this. God doesn't want you to conquer, to force things. 
when you force something on somebody else, it doesn't, it's not, it's not internal, it's not forever. As long as you're in charge, you're in charge, they're gone. The moment you're not in charge, it all disappears. Judaism believes, and that's what God is teaching us, then the way to accomplish something is by getting them on your side, not by forcing your opinion. Getting them agreeing that you are right, convincing the world that Judaism is the right thing, convincing the world that they have to give the land of Israel to the Jews. And as long as you didn't get there, you accomplished nothing. Because if you do it by force, the moment the force goes away, it's back to the old news. The, the, the Gentiles who lived in the land of Israel, you came in with miracles, you did it. You didn't convince them. The moment you moved out, look what happened. America was we the last pulled out from Pakistan, right? Yeah, I mean, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. How many years they were in Afghanistan? 20. 20 years. Well, look what happened the day they pulled out. Hmm. Chaos, like, like they were never there. Because force doesn't change things. Doesn't do anything. You force them. We came with the biggest power. The day we pulled out, they're all the same business, like, like, like America was never there, and even worse. Then forcing, the, forcing yourself on the land of Israel, that's not the goal. The goal is getting the going, the non-Jews agreeing that the land of Israel belongs to Jews. And, and, uh, and we'll give you an example. You want to read the example? No, uh, the next paragraph. We find. You know, the cop and God said the Ten Commandments, the whole world was shaking. Everybody heard it, not just the Jews. Yet, yet we were told that the reason why the first tablets didn't endure was precisely because they were dealing with a great fanfare, a bright light of divine revelation, and shone, and this temporary overpowered all the negative elements in the world, leaving the world a perfect good place. But when the event The scene of the golden cap. What happened? What happened at Mount Sinai? God revealed himself to such a level that they couldn't say no. It was such a revelation, they couldn't say no. You know, sometimes somebody very, very important that has a lot of charisma and is like unbelievable. If the Rebbe would come and ask a chosid, I want you to do this. You're not going to say no. Hmm. Even if it's not, even non-chosidim, the Rebbe asked from any, any person, from non-Jews, I need a favor from you, I want you to do A, B. Nobody ever said no. I'm going to say no. Even, he do, even if he doesn't want to, he's going to. God shows up with, with, with the written more angels. There was a whole commotion. I'm your God. You want to get over? We're going to tell them, no, no, I'm too busy, no. Should he say yes? They were all inspired, excited, this. The moment the party was over, 
<laughs> they went back to the golden calf. It didn't work because it was a false love of, of the Jews. You inspired them, you got them excited. It's the same thing as with all giving God. Uh, Moses took the Jews out to Egypt and he gave them everything they wanted. Mana, mana. Water, it is water. This, you, whatever you want, just let's go to Israel. Finally, they throw a temper at you. We don't want to go. First of all, they looked for excuses. They finally just, because you throw good on somebody, it doesn't mean something is going to happen. You didn't convince them. You didn't change them. The same thing is here. The first time they came with false, false doesn't have to be only false of neg- negative false. Loving false is also false. And then he doesn't want to do it. Yeah? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So I have this, this mother ready. Mm-hmm. My question is, so when Rebbe was alive and sent people over all over the place, no, it was it was more people came to the Rebbe and asked him to 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 give him give him the agreement. You're right. It's the same idea. Do you think that today is more successful? It's more commitment. More commitment. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Yes. You are absolutely right. Yes. 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 Then they do it because they wanted to please the rabbi. Yes. Yeah, but you all, as far as I remember, you always saying, "Hey, you just need to start, kind of, to I don't know, you, you use the word of push, but some kind of get someone to use to something, and then to see how it goes. Because when you're saying you shouldn't be pushing anything, that means uh, pushing kind of just to start the process. If we you don't, don't, we don't say, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't say not to not to encourage people to do things. But ultimately, what is encourage? What is ultimately, encourage? you have to get them on your side. Uh, okay. Then ultimately, you have to convince them into it. He has to do it because he likes it, not because I force him, not because I push him. Yeah, but I mean to bring kids to, to shul to get you, to give them used to it. You know, you're right. But they, after a while, one thing. But uh, if they, if they, oh, no. But if they don't like it, ultimately, it's not going to hold on. We're not talking about ultimately. But if you not introduce them, if you not, we don't say not introducing them. But here it was, it was completely false. That's what they say. We're talking about forcing or, or getting them on board. That's a question. Okay, what is forcing? Kids, kids will always say, I don't want to go. Not always. <laughs> in your household, maybe. In like, <laughs> <laughs> but always. if you will not insist, you go in that they will find... Yeah, the question is when they go there, do they have a good time or, or, or they resent it? That's the question. I understand. But I have a, a, maybe a bigger question. The, the, the question is, humanity, the, the essence of a, of a person, doesn't seem to change much over the thousands of years. We seem to be the same stubborn, Jewish or not Jewish, we seem to be the same that we always were. Stubborn like a rock. Well, 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 and, the, second, the second tablet <clears throat> came after they repented for the golden calf. This time was Deran Deron did it. Yes, but you're talking about a small... <clears throat> No, no, the example that he gave is perfect. I'll give you an example. In the time of Moses, with prophets and everything, the Jews resented constantly and they did sin. 
Now we don't have prophets. Now when a Jew comes to shul, he goes because he wants to. No, I understand it. Then, then we, have made, we make progress. Well, we I'm are not as stubborn as we were 3,000 years. Yes, but I'm talking go. about the rest of the world. How do we get the rest, the rest of the of world, the world also changed? To be willing to come the to rest of the world also changed. The rest of the world used to worship idols. Now they all believe in God. Now they even believe in a Messiah. The wrong Messiah, but they love in Messiah. The concept is there. The world changed big time. Madonna learns Kabbalah, for example, yeah? <laughs> she used to, at least. Yeah, and what did it to her? Did you see that? What did she say? Well, she's fine. Are oh, you worried about that? Don't worry. <laughs> but, if, but what I'm saying is that it's been six thousand, almost six thousand years, and we've made. We're some making progress. huge progress. Huge progress. What are you talking about? The progress is unbelievable. But but let let's reaching agreements. Well, let's make make the point. Um, you want to read, please? Reaching agreements. This is the reason behind uh, the, the Maimonides. Uh, precise wording regarding the second sanctification. When Ezra returned to Israel and sanctified the land, it wasn't sanctified through conquest, but through Hazak. The second sanctification didn't involve conquest, a battle with an opposite side which remains an enemy. In such a case, even Hazaka wouldn't be effective. Because it comes after conquest, rather Ezra's aliyah to Israel was the result of God moving the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, and he issues a proclamation throughout his kingdom, saying, any of God's people among you, their God will be with them, and they may go, go up. See, what happened is, the second temple came, why the Jewish people made Aliyah to Israel? Cyrus conquered the world. And he too, they had a philosophy that he lets every nation to believe in, to, do, to serve their God as long as they're loyal to him. And he turned to the Jews in Babylon and says, guys, go build a temple. I'll help you. I'll, I'll sponsor it. Go make Aliyah to Israel. The going said, the non-Jewish world said, we want to help you to, to go conquer, the, take the land of Israel. The world agreed that the land of Israel belongs to the Jews. That's why when they came the second time, it was not forcing themselves on the land. It was the world agreed and accepted that it belongs to the Jewish people. And that's a bigger achievement. That's the goal. The goal is not forcing on other people. The goal is convincing and getting other people on board. Because when you force them, it's never yours. So, so what convinced Cyrus to allow the Jewish people to practice religion, as long as they were politically on his side. Exactly. So that was like separation of church and state. Wasn't, wasn't Cyrus from Esther? Look, look how it starts. Look, really? There's, there's elements that some people... Cyrus was Jewish? Yes. it's written, God moved at the heart yeah. of Cyrus. You understand? It's, yeah. it's, it's a miracle. But the bottom line is, the non-Jewish world agreed that the land of Israel belongs to the Jews. It would be if today would come, if the whole Arab world said, come... Please build a temple. Do us a favor. Just come already to Israel. All the Jews in diaspora, leave Florida, come to Israel. I want to see how the Jews are living so fast. Do, 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 does the world today um, believe that you know, Israel is the land of the Jews? Believe, yes. As much as it was back in time? Not so much, no. No, but because they one time they came, when the world agreed, it became holy. Doesn't mean it has to be forever like this. 
I, well, the start, the beginning was like this. I recall you uh, describing the temple in, in past class where if we rebuilt the temple, it would cause major... Huge. No, world war. No question about it. That's why we don't, we don't do it. But because at that time, they came in a way that the world agreed that belongs to the Jews, then when they started it, it became holy for, for good. That's exactly... We have to get people in our own country past... Uh, that idea, <laughs> let alone the rest of the world. Exactly. <laughs> okay, finish it. In this case, the opposing side um, itself operated by um, restraining and transforming themselves. This didn't occur through war and conquest, but through uh, even his enemies made peace with him. Thus, any place that was settled by the returnees from Babylon and sanctified by Israel um, retains its sanctity today. And enduring sanctity. That was the whole idea because they agreed. They agreed with us. No, there is a story. You know, the, the first Chabad Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, was arrested by the Tsar because he was accused that he wants to make. A, he wants to become a king of the Jewish people. And he wants to make a revolution. The Tsar at that time was a paranoid person, and it's enough that one. Jews sent him such a letter that the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, Rebshneur Zaman of Liad, he wants to make a revolution for him to be arrested. He was there for uh, three weeks, around more. 53 days he was there. One time, between these arresting, where uh, he was locked up, the prison, and the building they used to be the interrogation was a little lake. And they used to take the prisoners on a little boat from one side to the other. Once they took him there and, and from one place to, from one, to an interrogation, it was night, and he saw the moon. And you know there is, when there is a new moon, there is a mitzvah to sanctify the new moon. Every month, around the, between a week and two weeks to the beginning of the, after the beginning of the month, we go, if we see a new moon, we say a special prayer. We thank God for the new moon for sanctifying the moon, for uh, giving us the whole idea of months and so on. I'm not going to all details. Then the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe wanted to start, he asked for, he turned to the guy who was running, who was uh, driving the little boat. He tells him, please stop, I want to say the blessing over the new moon. So no, I'm not stopping, you're a prisoner. What is this whole business? You think it's a shulia? <laughs> Suddenly, the, the boat couldn't move further. The Dalt Rebbe got up and started to say the first prayer before the blessing. There's an introductory chapter from the book of Psalms. He said the first prayer. And he sat down. And the boat started to move further. Then he turned to him and says, Please, can you stop the boat? By that time, he saw that this man is a holy man and he can stop the boat by himself. He says, Rebbe, if you give me a blessing, what are you, what are you, giving, what are you going to give me for it? He didn't have money. He said, I'll give you a blessing. You'll be rich and you'll do very well. He says, can you give it to me in writing? He said, yes. And he gave him in writing that he will be very successful, live long and be successful. And then he stopped the boat. And he stood up and he said the prayer. And then moved on. Later, years later, the Bochasidim saw what this guy became a rich man and was lived long. And he took the handwriting of the Alter Rebbe and he put it in a special frame that was decorated with with uh, diamonds, that's how rich he was. And he hung that on the wall and everybody who came could, was able to see it. 
That's the story. And the, the previous Rebbe used to tell the story, and he said, for many years he didn't understand. If he could stop the boat, why he didn't say the prayer? You stop the boat, you're so powerful. Stop the boat, say the prayer, move on. Stop the boat, say the introductory prayer, then move on, then beg them to, they promise them a blessing. What, who needs it? Because the goal is to serve God within nature, not against nature. Then the nature, when you do miracles and you serve God, you accomplish nothing. God wants that nature should agree that you, to help you to serve God. Why it's not accomplished nothing on a simple level? I see the Rebbe is making miracles. I think to myself, <laughs> if I would be a Rebbe, I would also do it, but I'm not a Rebbe. I will never survive this jail. The idea was that every Jew, we don't, God created nature. Then God doesn't want, God wants nature to help us to serve God. It cannot be that nature should be a contradiction to God. Then to, the idea of breaking nature and overriding the, the rules of nature, is, that's not what God wants. It's like a person who makes a, with me, I mentioned that many times, somebody makes a, a, is establishing a, a factory and there is a system and there is rules and regulations. He has the power to override the, the rules, but he doesn't want to. When somebody forces him to override the rules, he's very upset. He established rules because he wants the system should work. God created all the rules. Forcing God to change the rules is not what he wants. He wants within the rules you should serve God. Forcing the rules, you will accomplish nothing. The world should scream that there is a God. That's the accomplishment. That's, that's the accomplishment. What if this is a really, really bad rules? It's an awful... Uh, but God made the rules. No, I mean... You, when you were describing nature, you were describing kind of just that he did not want... He was in this situation. He did not want just to go, but sometimes situation could be really, really bad where where you are. You know, the Alter Rebbe, there is a story that the, the, his friend, the, the, I think the Bardichever, the Rebbe Bardichev told them, why he needed to go to jail? You could make a miracle and, and not go to jail. He says he wanted to go and to see that it's possible to go to jail and to get out of jail. Because if you if, if you would make a miracle, he wouldn't go to jail. Every other Hasid would say, yeah, <laughs> Chocham. He didn't go to jail. Hmm. I cannot make miracles. It wouldn't work. The idea is that everyone can do it. Then the world agrees with you that the, and helps you to serve God. Not to fight, not to make miracles. Everyone, the whole world comes to the conclusion that's the right thing to do. And it's on many levels. And that's why the Chabad Rebbe's avoided miracles by all costs. And even when they made miracles, they covered it up in, in a natural reality. Because the goal is that the world agrees with you to serve God. Verstehst du? But, but that yeah. boat driver might not have stopped had that miracle You're right. Occurred. But eventually he stopped willingly. On his, on his own You're right. You're right. A but miracle, a miracle convinced them. It's okay. It's okay. Give me money. No, he didn't give him money. Give him a blessing. You know, you have to believe in that. You know, if he, he didn't give anything material. <laughs> but the point is, show selfishness. That's the goal. The goal is that for you, selfish reason, you should want to serve God. That's exactly the goal. Yeah, beautiful. Giving the... He brought the example of Chabad rabbis. You know, the early Chabad rabbis was a mitzvah to go. It was an idealistic thing. Very few did it. The Rebbe made it into a career. 
then if you go, you're doing well in life. You're successful, you're achieving, you feel satisfied. Now, every Chabad child wants to be a Chabad rabbi. It didn't start in 1960s and 50s. The rabbi begged people to go. Nobody wanted to go. If it would be a mitzvah, it would be like, you know, <laughs> three old Jews would go there. The rabbi made it that the world wants it. That it's good for me. Not my godly soul wants to do it. My animal soul wants to do it. Not my good inclination wants to do it. My evil inclination wants to do it. I want it for selfish reasons to do it. Oh, now it's successful. As long as it's a mitzvah, it goes nowhere. When you make it good for everybody, loves it. Oh, then it's good. Then, then it's going to be successful. That's the biggest success of the Rebbe. That they made outreach something that not only Chabad is doing. A million other organizations are doing it and saying that they invented it. <laughs> so was, was selfishness like involved in there? In what? In the, in the whole... like In every level. Out. Cyrus, in, in every level you go... <coughs> Yeah, it means to say it has to come from you. It has to come that you want it. You, yes, what, yeah. What means selfish? Not negative. What, what do I have in? What, what do I get? What is there for me? People, even if they don't say it, they, even if they don't think it, they're subconscious. Yeah, that's life. Oh, people I say mean, selfish. <laughs> people thinking they're doing a good thing. This is. Uh, yeah, that's human being. Yeah. Yeah. And the same so thing the world has to understand. You know where, where we want to get to? The world should understand that there is a very interesting Talmudic statement. If the world would know what the Holy Temple is doing for them, so to speak, because in the Holy Temple they used to pray for the peace of the world, that the rest of the world should have also, it shouldn't be climate change problems, that there shouldn't be disasters, it should be, everything should be good for the world. If the world would know what the temple is doing for them, they would send armies to protect the temple, not to destroy the temple then that's the goal. The goal is to bring the world to understand what it's doing for them. And then, this is the right way to do things. Now, and then, I'll give you an example. You force your kids to go to school, yeah? They become 18, they go to college, they will never go again. They'll not have to foot to show. But if you get them liking it and loving it, they on their own will do it. That's the goal. You shouldn't have to cover these. 46 years old, do we have favor, go young people to show? That's not the accomplishment. That's not the goal. The goal is to raise kids who love it. Now, you can encourage them with candies, with the present. Yeah, there is ways to do it <laughs> in a good way. I believe very much in, in, in a positive reinforcement. And, and the goal toward the rest of the world is to just have the same thing in the world. That God exists and and, and that the Jews are the chosen people, and it's good for them to give the land of Israel to the Jewish people. They will benefit from it. That's what we need to get to. And this is the the Alter Rebbe is writing about his arrest. Something very interesting. Um, yeah, you. This is the goal. She should come to the class willingly. That's the goal. She's coming to willingly. I know. She brought them. She bought them, exactly. The importance of securing agreement, source six. God worked great wonders for us, causing his name to be exalted and sanctified in the eyes of all the ruling authorities and all the nations of the kingdom. This was a great wonder in their eyes as well, and they all exclaimed, this was from God, it is wondrous in our eyes. We see that the Alter Rebbe is ascribing great importance to the impact his redemption had on the authorities and the non-Jewish people. 
Reading this letter carefully, one is struck by the lengthy and incredible elaboration on this point. See, Dr. Rebbe writes, and it was the, 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 the government agreed with it, and they thought it's a good, and they, re, they released it. They were convinced that I'm righteous, and I didn't do anything wrong. And it, he puts a lot of emphasis that the non-Jewish authority, that the Russian authorities saw that he's a righteous person and he's not, doing, he's not trying to... Not only this, the non-Jewish authorities, the Tsar was convinced that Hasidic movement is a good idea. Then why is he putting so much attention? Go ahead. This is a question. The letter was intended primarily for a distinguished individual, Rabbi Levi Tzhak of Berdichev, one of the great students of the Magid of Mezerich, and Rabbi Baruch of Mezbuz, Mezbuz, the grandson of Baal Shem Tov and Rabbi at his own right, those uh, whose teaching live through the books. I want to leave for him something to read. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're finished. No. (laughs) (laughs) These distinguished people certainly understood the profound significance of the imprisonment and redemption and its relationship with the spreading of the inner dimension of the Torah. The reason behind the imprisonment was known throughout the land, and these great scholars were certainly aware of it. Considering the profound meaning of the redemption, why should importance be ascribed to the impact of the redemption on the authorities and non-Jewish people. Why does it make a difference what the non-Jews of St. Petersburg are saying? There is missing pure peace. The answer is, I don't know what happened there. The answer is that, that it was important for the Alter Rebbe that the world understood, you know, what was the, the fight? The fight was an inside Jewish fight. The, at, the, at that time, the, relig- the Jewish world, so to speak, the establishment was against the Hasidic movement. It was a new idea, the Hasidic right. movement. And they didn't allow the Hasidim to open their own shuls and to open their own thing. And that's how it ended up, by the, in, in, he ended up in jail, they reported them to... The, then the Tsar and the, and the government was convinced that the Hasidic movement is nothing against the government, and it's a legitimate Jewish movement. And the going legitimized the Hasidic movement. That's what really happened. Then that's why the Alter Rebbe was so happy that the Goim understood, the non-Jewish world understood, then the Hasidic movement is a, not, is a movement of serving God and is doing the, and is doing the right thing. And it's nothing against the government. Who made the Hasidic movement into a legitimate movement that they can open their own synagogue, they can open their own schools, they can do their own, live their own way? The Tsar. That going to jail accomplished something unbelievable. Until then, he wanted the stamp of the non-Jewish world. Who cares? Who cares what the Goy thinks? We care. Because he called, we want the world to agree. And that's in everything we want the world to agree that it belongs, that, the, the, what, that what the Jews uh, deserve, it's theirs, and it's the right thing for them, and we should help them to do it. And that's why the second temple, when the, going, when the non-Jewish world said that the Jews go to Israel, that was the accomplishment and made the place a holy place. It means to say that in life, false doesn't hold. Holds a little bit. Look, communism was for 70 years. Eventually it fell apart. It didn't convince anybody. You don't convince anybody with a gun. You have to convince people. You have to get them on board. And that's the goal of Judaism. Judaism of Mount Sinai. That Moses came and made miracles. It didn't help. 
Didn't help anything. Little by little, learning with another join, another join, getting him on board, that's the goal. It doesn't go by force. That's why I tell people in their own families, you have to go little by little, step by step. Only this is the way to bring them on board into Judaism. Forcing them, you get nowhere. Shkoyach, my dear friend. Rabbi, Soviets went down not because someone convinced them. They lost the competition and Reagan, Thatcher, and John Paul II responsible. Yeah, I understand. I understand what I mean to say is... No, no, no. I mean to say is after it fell apart, the people did not want to be communists. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, they didn't convince the people. Still, and now they're becoming worse than communists right now. You know, they, they're even worse right now. Communism is gone. Communism or was that dictatorship? Communism is dictatorship. Not in its purest form. Oh, 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 oh. It never existed that way. I mean, I think that the word communism is used as cover for... Yeah, for dictatorship, sure. You know, communism is like no government. Everybody living. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Everybody is equal. Then everybody is poor and only I'm rich. Except us, we live in a, you know, I get a 